Um, just to touch on some of the quick announcements, just because a lot is changing, a lot is happening in our church. And I did mention how home groups would be starting up in the end of uh, this month. Obviously, that'll be this coming week. But we're just trying to phase. We have prayer ministry today. We're trying to phase a couple of different things in. So we want to have a phase approach just as we regroup and regather. So um, watch this week. A lot of information will be coming out about that, just for, I know, some of you maybe weren't in the previous run of home groups, uh, just so keep your wee eyes on that as well, okay? Joy did mention how pre-service prayer is happening at 10.15. I also want to, during COVID, we've had, we've always put out the email, you've had to sign up on online, and regulations are changing, and I'm not going to mention, you know, the executive, but I will mention the executive in terms of, you know, decisions being made and so on, and we are obviously um, going on the back of, you know, we, we encourage you, you if you want to continue to wear masks, you, you're more than welcome. You can continue to do that, whether you come in or out. The, the guidance for us, just so you guys know, is, you, you, you know, not that we just lift all that in and go, go gone home, but actually we are, we are now saying that is, that is your recommendation. You, if you encourage to do that, you, we're all adults, so we get to, um, and we all have different uh, family circumstances and backgrounds, so you know, you, you use your, 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 your judgment and actually who you need to be safe with. And also then, if, if anything is happening and you're around people who may be sick, then just let other people know as well that, that you're doing that. But just so you know, we are having that phased out approach as well, okay? So I, the reason I say that is because we've had our we sign up link and all, also then send come at like 22 or quarter to the doors open. But I want to let you know that we now are trying to get back to the space where the doors will be open at 10.30. And actually we're then going to have a bit of a, try and get our breakfast bar ready and, and just get you know, a bit of space where we can connect in the community. So if this is your, you've only started coming for the past, past couple of months and you're really looking at space just to continue to connect with people, those, those are great times. So if you're feeling up for it, 10.30 doors will be open. And if you're feeling really up for it, then 10.15 is pre-service prayer. And I can tell you the past couple of weeks, just we've been really spending time and really, you know, the room is full this morning and it was just really good to see that actually, you know, we're really just pressing in to hear, hear from God and hopefully as time goes, actually then we'll become ready for these things as well, so, which is great. Like Joy said also, last week we was the start of this series and I looked a bit at Gideon, so I'd encourage you if you, you know, this talk is sort of piggybacking off the back of that, leading into just some of the stuff I really feel like God has been sending me and that was really looking at how God wants to use the least, the last and, and the little, and looking at the, the story of Gideon and how he went from being someone who was who was afraid in a wine cellar, afraid in a wine press where he was pressing his wheat to then being someone who saw cities and towns and villages and, and nations essentially uh, come to know the, the glory of God. So I would encourage you just to go, go look at that and that was looking into what seemed impossible. So this week I really want to look at, I just felt like something that the Lord was saying was really stepping into new levels of faith. And it's interesting that Raymond got up and shared his word and he shared it in pre-service prayer as well. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to read from Matthew 14, and it's going to be when Jesus walks on the sea. It's actually the story of when Peter steps out onto the water. So I guess it's continuing with, with our, our theme, okay? And that will be from verses 22 to 33, okay? So if you can do that, it doesn't matter what translation, it's all the same story, okay? And I want to read it, and then I really just, I really felt like as we, just so you know, in this series that we're going through is, is really stepping into the things of God and, and stepping into you know, the, the power of God, but also the gifts of the Holy Spirit and, and allowing him to empower us to really begin to see our community one for Jesus. I mean, we, I was talking to a couple of people this week, we really are a church that wants to see souls one for Jesus, but we're also a church that wants to see souls healthy for Jesus. We don't just win them, but we want to restore them, build them up, and send us out. And that's what we hopefully are catching the vision of our church and for our community. And, and I would like to say, Diane Patrick has also 
almost like an experiment because we are, you know, a church that's coming into a very, you know, nationalist and Catholic town and a mixing bag of hotspots that it is. And we actually are, are experimenting to see, God, right, how can you empower us and use us so that we can really bring what God is, the kingdom of God or what he's doing on the inside of us, actually then translating that into our community and seeing it transform. So hopefully over the next six to eight months, you'll begin to see practical and tangible ways, but I'll just keep saying that anyway. So, if you want to follow along, Jesus walks in the scene, it's uh, verses 22, and it says this, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when Jesus had sent the multitudes away, he went up onto a mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, Jesus was alone there, but the boat in which the disciples were in was in the middle of the sea, being tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now it was the fourth watch of the night, which was between about 3 and 6 a.m. Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter, being Peter, answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And so he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when Peter had saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught Peter and said to him, Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the son of God. Just the background of that, we, if you, you can see a couple passages beforehand, it's up until this point we see Jesus had been rejected from his hometown. John the Baptist had been beheaded and murdered. And so when Jesus heard this news of John the Baptist, he went to go off to the, to the mountain to, to pray and to process with the Father. However, we then know that a large crowd of locals nearby found out where he was going and then tracked him down. And then saying this, Jesus had compassion. We know that we read in the feeding of the 5,000 that he began to minister to them. He began to minister to the sick, but then he also began to feed them. And you can go and you can read that story. It's a whole sermon series in itself. But as we see Jesus sending the disciples into the boat to then go across, he then got away to pray. But they had been, and it's really important to know that Jesus and his disciples, they had been from a place of being busy ministering to large crowds. They had to deal with the loss of a loved one but then they also had to deal with the rejection of a community. How many of us know that life isn't always so plain sailing, right? Even in the context that we read in the miraculous story that, we're about to, that we have just read, life isn't always plain sailing, no pun intended, right? And it shows us that we are going to have challenges in the midst of our faith, and we are going to have challenges as we step into the things of the Spirit. And we've all had times where our levels of faith have been up and down, right? We've had times where we feel like, you know, I've got the power, you know, that, what's that advert? You know, the one where, I don't even know if it's a, a, an advert, I, don't, I can't remember what it's about, but you know the one where it's like, I've got the power, right? We've got, we feel like we've got that and absolutely anything can happen. And then we also can find ourselves hidden in the situations where we've had loved ones pass, we feel rejected, or we're, we're struggling with certain issues, even while God is moving in the miraculous. I mean, we've all got it. And it's what I like to call, it's like the, the, the roller coaster of faith. Anybody had that or just me, right? We've all had had those. And as I began in the process of this, as I was looking into what God's been telling us about the future, but also just the series we're in, you know, about being empowered by the Spirit, I, it just really led me to wonder, 
we have the reality of life and we have the promise of being empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit. And it really made me think, how can we increase our levels of faith for salvations, for healings, even when life isn't so plain sail? And it really then got me to think, and I was just thinking back just to some of the testimonies, and know there's been a couple of testimonies floating around our church. And I remember a time where we took about 100 young people and young adults. It was real, and there was actually families that came with us. And we went headed off to Malay, way, way over in the, the, the coast at near Ards. And I remember this particular, it was almost like a week slash weekend. And, and I remember from the first night, this was probably probably my second or third time being, a, you know, I, was only, I wasn't long a Christian. I wasn't, you know, I, my background wasn't seeing the things of the miraculous, seeing the things of, of healing and of freedom and deliverance. I mean, that wasn't really it. Just for me, my view of God was he was the, the God that was up in the sky and I was down here and if we were good, then we get to meet him. And, and so I never really seen heaven come to the earth in, in the way that it was about to. And I remember from the first night, the, the guest speaker who, he just felt like, I'm going to go after healing. You know, usually when you go to those things, it's like it builds up, you know, we're here. The second night, we, we take our coat off. The third night, it's like all of a sudden, and then the fourth night, revival comes. You know, like usually those happen. But it just felt like this, this particular time, I don't know, it just the guy had been around the block a bit more, and he was like, you know what, we're going after healing the first night. And I can remember this story. I can remember, I can see it clear as day, where we, <laughs> we had young people and young adults from, you know, Paul Glass, West Belfast, East Belfast, you know, the renegades from the Oil Farm, that wasn't just me. And there was others, people from all across different spheres of life. I mean, it was really a mixing bag of people. And so you couldn't really put it down to churchmanship, right? And I remember the first night, this young girl from West Belfast, well, she was a young adult, and she had, did anybody remember the snow bits, or the, you know, the, when you break your leg, you, uh, Carol, there was a few people that were in one, right, and uh, just saying, sorry not to call you out, but uh, it's those big bits that, you know, you're walking around, right, and this, this girl, I remember the first night, uh, the guy went after healing, and I just, it was like, nobody really knew what was going on, because it was a, a mixing bag of things happening in the room, and all of a sudden, she stood at the front with a boot in the air, and everybody was like, what's going on, and she had, you could see her then, because she was clearly in this boot, she had, she had broken it when she went skiing. And all of a sudden, when the guy prayed, she had complete healing. Of, he asked her to take it out, test it. And all of a sudden, she was running up and down the front of the stage, and she was completely healed. But she wasn't even a Christian yet. So then all of a sudden, he prayed, and she gave her life to Jesus. And it was like straight away, all of a sudden, there was this flurry of activity. And then from that, even in the, in immediately afterwards, in the same meeting, we then saw this girl get healed from eczema. She had rashes, deep, deep eczema in, her, eczema in her arms, and all of a sudden she was healed. And then she gave her life to Jesus. And then within a space of, of minutes, well, maybe it, was, maybe it wasn't minutes, I can't remember, but I just remember there was then young lads, even in our groups and other groups, who then were struggling with drug addictions. And, and all of a sudden the faith levels rose in the room, the testimony happened, and we were seeing lads coming down, they were throwing all their substances on, on the stage, and, the, and we just spent, and they gave their lives to Jesus. And it was, those things happened, and I remember going, there's something here. And, and that was the first night. And I can tell you from like afterwards, you know, people were, couldn't get to sleep and that's even worse when you're with young adults and young kids. But then all of a sudden it was like there was something in the air. I mean, a lot of us have been to places and churches and environments where it's like, oh, there's just something in the air. You know, we, we call it revival in the air. We call it tangible. It's just like this thing we go. And all of a sudden now you're thinking about the times where you've been. And I remember it was actually just faith. The faith levels were so high that, you, know, you could believe pigs could fly. People were going, you know, 
they knew family members that they were ringing up going, what about you? And we just began to see this flurry happen. And, and all of a sudden, when we came from those moments, we then came in and we were, I worked a couple of doors down and we, we then began to see youth and young adult then come to our programs hungry for the same thing. It was like this faith was still in, in the air in the groups of people. And all of a sudden, we couldn't get them out the door till like 12 o'clock at night. They were just hungry, that, you know, they wanted to come. And I mean, you, you come up with your six week program of what you want to do about mental health, but God shows up and he's just taken over and it's like what's going on right and we began to see this and for me I was like oh, I just was hungry for more I was like I said it was only only a new Christian at the time but then what happened over a period of time the reality of life kicks in you know you have to go back to your job you have to go back to school you have to go back to caring for family and, and actually over the period of my life over the period of that season for me I then had family members pass away I then you know had such a change in my social circles that you know all of a sudden I, I was like you know, rejection from community. And, and all of a sudden I noticed that it was like the levels of faith that I once had, I never had anymore. And I began to really, I'm just someone who goes, but why? You know, I'm still like to be like a kid, right? I go, why, why, why is that? And I began to, there was something on the inside of me. I mean, I hadn't been to a churchmanship before that was, was believing for these things, but I just, there was something on the inside of me thought, what happened there and what I read in scripture, that has to be the norm for our daily lives. So that isn't just a seasonal thing, but this has to be a community transformational thing. This has to be the norm. So I began to look and see what, what's going on here. It had to be the norm for our daily lives. And that, you know, as what I was seeing in certain places should have been the reality for what was in the community around us. And that really led me to that place. And I mean, I know it's a, or led a lot of you to certain places. Now, we know faith ultimately comes from Jesus, right? We, we understand that. I mean, that's a given. But in this passage, as I began to read it, I, I've discovered not an exhaustive list, but I've began to discover five keys or principles, if you like, that will help us increase our faith in the midst of the times where we just are in the mundane life so that we can see the miraculous, so that we can see the signs and the wonders and the freedom emotionally and physically and spiritually. We can begin to see that freedom. So the first one, if you're taking notes, is we can raise our faith levels by knowing that Jesus is praying for us. In verse 23 to 24, it says this, in uh, chapter 14, it says, when he sent, Jesus sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Now when the evening came, he went alone there, but, underline that word, but, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, being tossed by the wind and the waves, for the wind was contrary. We see Jesus finally got away from the crowd. He finally got away to pray on his own. I mean, that's a real spiritual discipline, right? I mean, it's something we have to emulate and that will help increase our faith. But he got away to pray and process with the Father. But yet, we then read that the boat in which the disciples were in was out in the middle of the sea. The boat was so far that they couldn't see the port they came from. And they were at risk of having to turn back because they were in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, right? And we know that the sea was prone to sudden storms. So in fact, it shows us this picture already in the story that while the disciples were caught in a storm, Jesus was in solitude and prayer. I mean, anybody else had that picture in our life where we feel like I'm in a time of, of trial and I'm, my, my faith is being tested, but it feels like God's distant. Anybody else had that? It was like we're, when we're in the middle of the storm, challenges coming from left, right, and center. But Jesus is nowhere to be seen, if we're really honest. Maybe it was a family member died. Maybe you got sick. Maybe you had to move house. You're struggling to find a new job. You asked God to fix it, but he didn't show up in the way that you thought he would. And you felt alone. 
You see, what I've discovered about these times when we feel like Jesus is up on the mountaintops and we're in the middle of the sea, it's not that he's distant, but actually he's praying for us. That he's up the mountain, he's praying for us. And that when we're in those times of trials, when we're in those spaces where we feel like Jesus is distant, he's actually praying. We were obviously never promised a cushy life. I mean, that's just fantasy, but we have always been promised for the power and the faith to not only endure storms, but to then conquer them. I mean, that's the destiny that you and I have for our lives. Because even though there is a storm around you, I really believe Jesus was praying that there wouldn't be one in you. That even though the disciples were in a storm and they were covered and surrounded by a storm, that within them, they wouldn't have one. A storm within the heart and a storm within the mind. Jesus was praying and contending that they would remain in faith and in boldness, even when they're in very, very real situations of risk and danger. You see, life can come and we can feel alone. Trials and temptations, whatever language you want to use. Because, but Jesus being up a mountain it doesn't mean that he's distant. It just means he's saying, I'm seeing from a higher perspective. When you're down in the valley and the sea, Jesus is saying, I see from above on a different perspective. And the times you felt like you maybe messed up, maybe you wanted Jesus to take the feelings away, or maybe you were confused about what to do next, and you wish Jesus would just come and magically with his wand, right? We know that that isn't the case, but we do know that Jesus was praying that you and I would see from his perspective. If only we could see. Luke 22, 31 to 32 says, Simon Peter, Satan has been asking to sift each of you like wheat. Do you know Satan asks for you? But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you've returned to me, you would strengthen your brother. You see, there's times when we feel like Jesus will come and there will be times where he will move in power and he'll swoop in and he'll move miraculously. But there's also times where Jesus is praying that actually we would have the faith and the boldness within us to see every storm in our lives bow to the name of Jesus because we're co-heirs and we're co-labors, right? And we actually read a few chapters before that Jesus was with the disciples, you know, in the boat where he calmed the sea, where he was, he was sleeping in the boat and then he woke up and, he, and he, he, he commanded the sea and the waves to die. So he does show that he's with us. But this time he was praying that they would take the testimony of what they witnessed and they would have faith that he would do it again. Similar scenario, but different results, right? This is because in this life, and as we reach our community, we're not going to be in a bubble. I'm not, want, I'm not wanting to stand up here and, and give a plastic, fantastic talk to say everything's going to be great. But actually, it's going to be challenging. We're going to have storms. We're going to have people that are going to be so against us. There's going to be people who will, who will make lies. There's going to be people who will, who will come to know Jesus. There will be victories, by the way. But there's going to be times where it's going to be a struggle. But we have to obviously know that he's always with us. But he does pray that we will grow and mature so that we would see things from his perspective. See, maybe you're here and actually the thought of going and talking to people in our community, whether it's through the events or through a, a journey group or through whatever it may be that God presents an opportunity through your job, maybe you're here and you, it terrifies you to go talk to somebody about Jesus, Right? evangelism you're like that's not for me that's up for those personalities can I tell you something don't use the five-fold ministry to disqualify yourself from evangelizing all right that's used to equip the saints practice service we, we need people who will equip us to do the very thing that we're called to do and that's to, to share our faith with others or maybe you're here and you you have a fear of rejection I mean all of us will will have and will experience rejection in our lives 
and we fear that actually people out there, we, we're, we want to maintain a reputation. I mean, I know what it's like growing up in this town and, and having to, you know, be part of a church and, and talk about Jesus when I'm related to half of the people in the town. I know what that's like. But you know what? We're not called to be comfortable. We're called to be obedient. So I'm not sitting here saying, this is all easy, right? I want to talk about the reality because this story we looked at is a reality one. Or maybe you're here and you fear stepping out to share something God... Maybe you're here and, and you have had these times where God's given you a word for someone and you've talked yourself out of it. Or he's asked you to step out in healing and you've talked yourself out of it. This isn't, these are reality of our lives, right? But how different would our levels of faith be if we realize what Jesus was praying over? It's, uh, Robert Murray Chen says this, if I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. If we could hear how Jesus is praying for us, for you and me, if we could hear how Jesus is praying over our communities, how different our levels of faith would be. If we actually listened, if we, we, we fear we don't have the courage or we don't have the boldness, whatever it may be, if you actually listened to how Jesus was praying over you, all of a sudden you go, why would I care what people think of me? Why would I? If, G, if I could hear that Jesus was praying that I, would, that I would imitate his ways and his truth, but also in his power, would I fear praying and, and sharing a word for someone? No. Jesus prays and intercedes over us. He prays passionate prayers. He prays, he prays prayers so filled with faith, faith that mountains fall at, the name, at his name, that seas part, and that we can walk on the, in the impossible. He prays prayers of provision. Now, do you know what? We would look at finances as the issue. If we heard how Jesus prayed, we'd be going, I want, I want all every stadium around here filled with people. I want, you know, let's do the biggest enterprise. Whatever the dream and the calling God, if we could hear how Jesus is praying for our finances, if we could hear how Jesus is, is praying over someone's mental health or physical health, we would stop that internal, you know, that internal doubt that comes in and we would just go, get behind me sitting and we would step in. It's the perspective that Jesus has. It's the assurance. It's the control, but it's also the provision. But we get to hear what Jesus, it's not like he's distant. We actually get to hear what Jesus is praying over us and over our communities. We have to ask the Holy Spirit. You know, the easiest way that we can grow in this is just, actually one of the easiest ways you can grow in the prophetic is, is ask, Jesus, how are you praying over this person? What are you saying over this person? Ask the Holy Spirit and let him listen. Because what we do is we often pray from our perspective, don't we? But how different would our faith levels and our prayers be if we go, we pray from Jesus' perspective? Because we have ears and we have eyes to see what he's saying because we, you know, we, we can, I can quote the scripture to you that the sheep hear his voice, right? So we get to hear the voice of God, but when we listen, how is Jesus praying in this situation? Would we see ourselves and others step into the impossible? But we can also raise our levels of faith by remembering what Jesus said. <clears throat> We've all had times in our lives where we are in the middle of a storm, or maybe we're in the middle of a storm right now, and the noise around you seems unbearable. We're confused about which way to go. We're doubting that Jesus has asked us even to go in the first place. But let's be honest. Have we ever stepped out in faith to follow something we feel like God's asked us to do and then doubted it immediately? Anybody else done that? We're so fired with faith. God, you've asked me to do this. And then we step out and we go, actually, no, you didn't. And we're trying to get back onto the boat, right? You see, whether we've changed jobs, whether we're moving house, 
Maybe you've changed the church community all on the basis of God's leading. But all of a sudden, there were people who didn't support your decision. And they started casting doubt on your decision. Anybody else had that? You've heard of God give you a dream and a vision. But yet the people closest to you have started casting doubt on that dream and vision. Or maybe you're here and actually the timeline in which you thought that dream and vision would unfold, it's no longer going according to it. But listen to this, Peter had faith to do what was impossible because while everyone else was scared of a ghost, Peter focused on Jesus' voice. We see Jesus, or Peter asked Jesus, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. This was straight after Jesus had said, be of good cheer, it is I. Or other translations say, it is I am. And the previous scripture knows that actually when people ask who God is, he says, I am who I say I am. Peter listened and heard that actually this is Jesus. And also he understood the importance of hearing Jesus' voice in the midst of fear and the midst of that doubt. You see, doubt arises when there's two or more alternatives. You can't have doubt when there's only one scenario, okay? You only have doubt when a second alternative is, is introduced. And for the disciples, they introduced the idea that what they, this person they seen on the, on the water was a ghost, which is really funny because in Jewish thinking, they didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. But Peter had the, had the faith in an alternative to fear. Let me say it again. Peter had faith in an alternative to fear. He asked, Lord, if it was you, command me to come. And then we hear Jesus say, come. You see, you might be here living in a culture or there might be other people around you living in a culture of fear. We have to live in a culture of hearing and faith. We know the scripture that faith comes by hearing the word of God and by hearing the word of God. But for Peter, he, it helped him step in. Faith helped him to step in to what Jesus was doing in the water. Because while the rest of the disciples were listening to their fears, Peter was listening to what Jesus had said. And while Peter stepped into the water to be obedient to what God called him to do, there was even critics on the boat. Do you know when you step out, there's going to be critics on the boat? When you step out into the water, there's going to be critics saying, don't do that. Are you mad? Are you crazy? Well, maybe you are. But you're doing it out of obedience to hear what God's saying. There's always going to be critics on the boat. See, Peter knew, now as a fisherman, he knew the wind and the waves. But Peter knew that it would be safer to be with Jesus on the water than it would be in the boat without him. Maybe you're here and you... You're thinking, you know, even though it might seem possible for others to step in to what he's asking of us or are relevant to pursue the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit to reach our community, we know that we will only walk in those greater levels of faith and in power and demonstrations of his power being, being filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, D.A. Carson once said, well, why it is more natural, what is more natural for a fisherman who knew and respected the dangers of the sea to do what Jesus, to do to them want to follow Jesus in this new demonstration of supernatural power. That was a joke, by the way, because fishermen knew the dangers of the sea and the waves. It's not natural for a fisherman to want to get into the sea. It's not natural for us to get into what's uncomfortable. It's not natural for us to get in what is supernatural or what seems impossible. But it is natural to want to go where Jesus is, even if we haven't been there before. Maybe you're here and you haven't seen you know, 
things of healing. Maybe you're here and you're going, I'm not even that holy for God to use me for healing. Maybe you're here and you go, I, you know, I just, I doubt too much. I think too much, I, whatever it may be. And you go, I could never be used for, for God to come and heal in the, or even the miraculous. You're disqualifying yourself. But remember, it's, we have to go where Jesus has called us to. And we all get to play a part. We, we all get the paper. I mean, there's testimonies that are happening in our community. There's stories of people being saved, healed, and delivered, and restored. I mean, Joy, grab your mic. Why don't you get up and share what actually happened the testimony recently? Hi. <laughs> Me again. Um, so, uh, part of what I do is I work with a girl called Carla. She has cerebral palsy, so I'm like her assistant in Queen's University because she's doing a degree. Um, she's been coming to Journey on and off because I talk about it all the time when I'm with her. And uh, in order for her to come, she needs to come with an assistant. So they drive her from her house. She lives in Donacadee, that's why she's not here all the time. Um, so her assistant was here and I was sitting at the back with them. And that day, I think Thomas maybe had talked and it was like, put your Well, that was Heather. Your... That wasn't me. No, 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 not talked. It was like, it was service leading. You had oh. said like that the Lord is moving and put your hand on your heart um, if you wanted to like reconnect your life to the Lord or something along those lines. And um, some of the girls who do work with Carl are Christian. So I was kind of curious to see. So I like glanced over and her assistant who's called Kate had her hand on her heart. So I was like, oh, that's lovely. And, um, and then the day went on and, and I chatted to her and Carla was really touched by Heather's talk that day. And whatever, whatever, and then I went into work the next day and Carla said um, Kate was like on cloud nine when they left here on that Sunday and she was like talking a, a 10 to the dozen on the car home that she had, um, that she hadn't been connected with the Lord since she was a child and I think maybe she had been, had like an interesting church experience as a child but she had never fully connected with God and she felt like she connected with God when she was here that Sunday, and then when she saw Carla the next day, she said um, she went home and, and wept. So she cried and cried and cried and cried and cried because she, she had felt cleansed when she was here and had an encounter with God. And then in that moment, she recommitted her life to the Lord. Um, and so now she wants to come with Carla, not because Carla needs her necessarily, but because she wants to come to Journey whenever they can. But she's Grey Abbey too, so it's a bit of a jaunt, but they want to come whenever. And then it was like a week later, I think, that I went back into work and, and Carla was like, oh, I have more about this story. And I was like, great, great. And it turns out when Kate went home and had that encounter with God where she recommitted her life to the Lord, um, her younger cousin, who's called Katie, was with her. Um, and so experienced this with Kate and also wants to come to Journey and, and experience whatever her cousin is experiencing. So it's like, I was like, Carla, you're like an evangelist, it's great. So Carla was really touched. She was really, really touched by Heather's talk and so was Kate and then Katie. So it's, it's amazing, it's like a, mm. a flood. <laughs> mm. So I mean, right? I mean, we often think the stories have to be wham, bam and up at the front, but actually, there's, there's testimonies, there's a couple of other stories that, that I'm hearing in the community that will not put anybody in the spot, but testimonies are happening, people are being saved, and we have to steward these testimonies to then see God do more, because in the midst of the busyness, in the midst of the craziness, number three is this, that we can raise our faith levels by keeping our focus on Jesus. You know, actually, I remember, I just, I was, I was going to get Hannah to share, but she's not here, she's in, running around with the kids, and uh 
you know, some of you may or may not know this story, but I was talking to Hannah during the week actually about this, and I don't know how it came up, but she, during one of the, one of our research programs, when you weren't supposed to be close and, you know, laying hands on people, when they were supposed to be really social distancing and keeping distance, Hannah was out delivering one of our parcels, and Hannah's quiet, I mean, I'm going to embarrass her because she's not here. I can't get to that right, but she'll probably listen to this afterwards and then she'll shout at me, so anyways, I'll re- take the repercussions then, right? But uh, she, yeah, she, during one of these, was delivering the parcels and uh, you weren't supposed to be, obviously, putting your hands on people, but she then felt like the Lord, she was delivering this lady in, in the town and the lady was sharing a bit of her story, how she was isolated and so on. And she had, oh, I forgot what she was healed of. <laughs> Uh, sciatica to do with the nerves. Yeah. Sorry, she had a down full once. It wasn't like stroke symptoms, but it was it was completely down. Uh, I think it was her left side or right side, but it was completely down inside of her. And she was talking about how she couldn't sleep and she was in pain. And uh, Hannah, being Hannah, right, is like, right, I'll you know, do you want me to pray for you? And the lady's like, oh yes, of course. You know, she was open to it. And and Hannah just really simply in the midst of all of this, everybody's locked in their houses. Hannah Hannah just begins to pray for her, and all of a sudden. And Hannah's words was the Spirit of God completely filled her from head to toe. That actually all of the pain that was on her left hand side completely went in an instant. And actually this testimony happened, and I think she maybe shared it on Zoom or something. But I know a lot of you haven't weren't here. And there's a couple of other testimonies like the girl's got a healing on her. I'm like out praying for people, going, we pray in the gym in the name of Jesus, and then she's just walking around in simple faith and they're all getting healed. And I'm like, what's going on? She's like, you just think about it too much, you know? You know, you're trying to get the theology off it and actually, yeah, just pray, <laughs> you know. But there's just something that actually we are seeing and we've seen stories of, of the miraculous and healing and freedom and this is what we have to go after and it's what this series is about. But we see in Matthew 14, 30, it says, but when he, uh, Peter had saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. You see, if we're all honest, the weather, the stress, the busyness, the, the doubts, the, the trying to understand things can come from us at all sides. But we can find it very hard to keep our faith, to keep our focus on the testimonies of what God's done, but also what God has said. But also just the, the presence of Jesus in the midst of it. We all know that Peter sank because he took his eyes off Jesus and put them on the circumstances. We all know that. We all know that Peter walked on water because he watched for the word, but then he began to sink because he watched the wind, right? Because we know that faith is contingent on what we're focusing on. I mean, we all live in a a digital information technological age. Right now, on on our laps or in our pockets, we have devices that can distract us 70 million ways within seven seconds, right? Anybody else here got like the master in distraction? You just are like constantly distracted, right? I mean, we are masters at it. We are, you know, we just can multitask in our brains, but actually we just are so distracted. Now, you can't be here going, well, that's just because of my age. No, it's because of the digital age, right? And the point is, our focus is always moving on to the next thing. Whether you're scrolling, whether you can, you can find, back in the day, you only had the, the only number of news you had was the number of pages in your hand. Now we have it's the number of tabs and, and the number of news stations. I mean, we are so, we have so much at our fingertips and it actually is starting to program us to be so distracted. They say that often attention span now is less than seven seconds, which is that of a goldfish, right? We've gotten better at something else than somebody else, right? 
And so many of us, we want to see, we want to hear, we want to go after the testimonies of what God is moving in power and the miraculous. We want to see people healed, delivered, restored physically and emotionally. And we want to see those who are dependent on drugs and alcohol and all sorts of things. We want to see freedom. We want to, we want to remove past where we want to move in the hope. But everything is fighting for our attention that we have actually forgotten the testimonies. We've forgotten what God can actually do. We're so focused on the next thing that we've forgotten what, what Jesus has done in our, in our communities. Like already the testimony, testimonies that have happened in we serve seem like a lifetime ago. But actually the people of God lived in this perpetual, let's remember, let's remember. We listened to what Gideon done. He was sitting depressed in a wine cellar, thinking about how God had delivered the people of Israel. He was remembering. And we know that Peter began to sink because he allowed what was going on around him get on the inside. The noise and the fuss of what's going around, maybe it's in the news, maybe it's in your family life, or the fears of those in your inner circle being projected, and the hardships of normal life are keeping us distracted. Yet a divided focus doesn't have to be the reality for our lives. A distracted focus doesn't have to be the reality. And actually in 1430 it says, but when Peter saw that the wind was boisterous, when Peter began to take his eyes off what, what Jesus in front of him, because Peter was, if Peter had a look at what he was actually doing and realized I'm walking on the water, I don't think he would have cared about the waves. But instead, he didn't look at what the miraculous, he looked at, at the wee simple natural things. He took his eyes off the supernatural and put it on the natural. We have to keep our eyes on the supernatural things that God's doing. We have to keep our eyes on the supernatural kingdom so that that kingdom comes and invades our kingdom, our natural kingdom, so that we can see what is not of God removed. But we, like Peter, we need to cry out again. We actually just need to pray. I mean, we need to pray. We, nobody else can pray on your behalf. I'm talking about his corporately but also individually we just need to pray we need to get hungry for God to move again I know a lot of you in this church have have been around different churches and organizations throughout the years and you've seen moves of God that's not to be a seasonal thing that's to be a normality thing that's the common here and the now we have to press and we have to get hungry to go do you know what I may be sitting here and, and God isn't moving in, in power that's not normal Actually, the normality is God should be seeing people freed from addictions, see people free where, there's, where brokenness is needed restoration. That should be the norm. And I'm not just here to grab a testimony for the sake of it, but I'm here to steward. We have to steward our testimonies. We have to remember what God had said. But you know what? If we're honest, sometimes we're here and we feel like we're drowning. And we're overwhelmed. We're drowning in the fear that finances are tight. We're, we're overwhelmed knowing that what the future will hold. Or maybe if there's even a weight of our current issue that we're struggling with. Thinking that we're too far gone. We are never too far gone. Our situations are never too far gone. And you don't need to give up hope. You don't need to lose faith. We actually need to remember that Jesus immediately reached out to Peter in his time of need. When the wind and the waves are coming, he reaches in. We have to pray for that greater outpouring on our community because it's not going to be the power of our own strength. It's going to be in Jesus's. We need to contend for the freedom of others when they're hopeless and helpless and where they feel stuck. Because we need to know that Deuteronomy 31 says that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He doesn't, even if we feel like it. He's praying over us, he's with us and he's contending for our breakthrough. And the times where you feel like you should have more faith, Jesus is just there. Stop with the shoulda, woulda, couldas. I shoulda had more faith. We do so good at beating ourselves up. Jesus doesn't need to beat us up. See, 
God's destiny for you and me is, is that we wouldn't just survive in our circumstances, but we would actually thrive in them. That we wouldn't just feel like we have to keep our head above water, but we would begin to walk on it. So how many of you know that actually the, the water, the significance of that to the Jewish mindset was actually where we didn't, they didn't have David Attenborough back in the day, by the way. They didn't have Blue Planet and, you know, the, the lovely Netflix and the colors, right? They didn't have, they couldn't see what was under. Even all the fishermen who lived on the, the water of the whole, they didn't know that. So the, the, the association with the water was where all your fear, all your unknown, it's all the monsters of your day, right? That's where everything lived. So the fact that Jesus was walking on the water showed that he was above it and control of it all. And so when Peter was sinking into his fears and his worries and his doubts, Jesus reaching down, not only just pulling his head above water, but actually beginning to help him walk upon it. Our destiny is not that we would just survive living in our fears or doubts or worries or our sicknesses or diseases or our, whatever our afflictions may be, but actually God wants us to overcome them. Psalm, 30, Psalm 3, 2 to 4 says, many, of, many say to me, God will never deliver you. But you, O Lord, are my shield around me, my glory and the one who lifts my head. And I cried out to the Lord with my voice and he heard me from his holy hill. See, Jesus isn't just praying over us from his hill. He steps into a situation so that we may overcome it. You know, freedom is, should be the normality of the Christian life. And he has destined us to overcome the trials and overcome any temptation. You see, number four is this, and we can raise, and this is something, and it was actually a bit of a sideball, but I feel like it's probably one of the more important ones. We can raise our faith levels by knowing that Jesus is for us and not against us. Our culture is obsessed believing that Jesus is angry at us. We are obsessed. I'm not gonna say it's just a Northern Ireland thing, but we, we believe, we have this love relationship with punishment. This love relationship with believing that God's this angry God, the Homer Simpson God who's up in the sky with his lightning bolts ready to strike you when you mess up. We actually believe that. And we are, we, we are afraid to call out to God. We don't believe God wants to pour out his spirit and new measures and blessings and power because we believe he's actually angry at us in our community. We sang about it. It all was a, all taken care of at the cross. It was all taken care of. Why are we changing the gospel message? Oh, it was all the anger of God, and actually even what the anger of God is, well, you can go look at that up yourself, but it's maybe not how we project it to be. Now, yes, there, we might be here, and we, have a, we might have a, a sense of sinfulness or whatever it may be that we need to do, we can sort that out. We can just ask for forgiveness in a heartbeat. But like I says, actually, when I grew up, I just did believe that God was a Homer Simpson God and he was out to get me. Or that I was good when I got to heaven because that's all he really was. And then if I was good, I would have got in. But also we then have that thing of, well, he'll only pour out, his, pour out his Holy Spirit gifts and his power when I do good things. That's not healthy theology. You see, the fear of messing up, actually I've learned comes from our, our, our growing up. Our, our family units, or significant figures, we take those and we project those onto God. Maybe you've been part of a churchmanship that just believes that it's all about rules and regulations. If you keep the rules, if you keep following, you know, I don't, I don't know what church background you've came from, but maybe you're here and you go, I have to follow the rules. And if I step out of line, oh, I'm done for. And we, we then take what we believe is the church system and we then project that onto the kingdom system, the kingdom culture, but that's not true. 
Because when we read, and you'll read, you'll read this next statement in either two lights. When Peter says, sorry, when Peter walks on the water and he begins to sink, we know that Jesus saves him. But we hear Jesus say, oh, you have little faith. Why did you do it? You know, I used to read that as a rebuke. I used to read that. I don't know about you. Maybe you still do. Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? But I don't believe for one moment that's an angry statement. I actually believe it's a humorous one. I'll not explain to you why. Now, yes, we can point that actually Jesus was pointing to Peter's lack of faith. (laughs) But remember, Peter was a human being walking on water. That's not normal for a human being, okay? I mean, I don't know if you're doing that at the weekends, but I'm certainly not. But remember also what anger is. Anger is when we have an expectation or a goal that then gets obstructed. That means that Jesus would have to expect Peter, it would be normal for Peter to walk on water. And you and I both know that's not true. So the, the, the statement isn't an angry one because Jesus didn't have the expectation. I actually think it was more. Peter, well, he's God, obviously he knows, but so I'm projecting our humanity onto it, right? But Jesus would be going, he's actually doing it. It's like, why did you doubt? You were walking on the water. Like, why would you doubt and you could... Why did you even look at, you were walking, doing the impossible, nobody else, not even the old great Old, old Testament prophets were doing that. It's like, why did you, your little faith, if you had a look at what you were doing, your faith moving through the roof, you probably could have flew. And I'm adding that, okay, that's not theology, okay, but I, I added that, that's, that's the, I was going to say the message translation, you know, the amplified, that's the amplified version, right? But actually, if we had a look at what was happening, we're too busy looking at what God isn't doing, instead of looking at what he is doing. We're too busy looking at the things that God, the miraculous things that God didn't do instead of looking at the miraculous things he did do. And that's why Peter began to sing. But actually it was why it was a humorous statement. So what's the point? Is Jesus isn't angry at you. He isn't waiting for you to mess up and to beat you up every time you sin because we do a good job of that ourselves. And when Jesus is saying, oh you little faith, why did you doubt? I actually do believe there's a chuckling in his voice. You were doing so well. What put you off? And Jesus knew what would happen. He knew that Peter was actually doing it, but he also knew that he would start to panic and sink. You see, Peter went from actual floating to actual fear in an instant. I mean, is anybody else's faith like that? And then Jesus said, why did you doubt? It was like he was saying, you were doing it, Peter. Could you not see that you were walking in water and could you not see that you had, I had more for you? It's what he's saying to you and me. It's what he's saying for our communities. Look at the testimonies that have happened in your lives. Look at what I've done in the midst of you. Now look at what I'm going to do ahead of you. Raise your faith levels to go, if God can do it in this midst, if there could be salvation happening here, imagine what can happen out there. If there's healings that can happen here in our our communities, imagine what he can continue to do. We don't need need to live in fear. We actually don't need to live a rigid life. That's what fear does. So we have to create a space over these coming weeks where we then allow the Spirit of God to come in this public meeting. We have to allow ourselves to get over fear, to get over actually, you know what? God might expose things in me. I don't care what anybody else thinks of me. And as the Spirit comes and and transforms our minds, heals our hearts, or, or gives us gifts that actually you are never used to, 
We have to allow that to happen in this space because if we're going to be activated in the things of the Spirit, well, we have to start somewhere. And this space has to be a space that is free of shame, free of guilt, free of a sense of sinfulness. Now, the latter is never going to be the case because we're always being, being transformed, but we have to start going, do you know what? I have to be open to the things of the Spirit. And to be honest, that's all I long because we can't have people out there looking for freedom from shame come in here and if that's not here. So who's going to be the leaders in this room? They're going to step in and go, you know, I, I'm maybe going to just ask people to pray for me. I'm maybe going to allow people that I don't really know that well. I'm going to step in and go, do you know what? Will you pray for me? Will you step in and allow you to do a work in me? Because shame, remember that which is in the dark becomes light when it's brought into the light. And we, I really believe we will have a community or a culture of that is no shame. It's filled with worship. Because we will raise our levels of faith that we believe we have to give it away to others. Matthew 14, 32, 33 says this, when Jesus and Peter got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped Jesus saying, truly you are the son of God. See, what is interesting is Peter's so-called failure actually created a testimony where people got saved. The skeptics on the boat got saved. And I'll tell you why, because they were disciples, but I'll tell you why. Now, yes, this was obviously the sovereignty of God in terms of how Peter stepped out. But it saw a moment where God got to demonstrate his power and his love. The the point of the story isn't about how much faith we can have to walk on water, but actually what Jesus can do with the little faith we have. Verse 33 says the disciples worshipped him. Now, that's obviously the logical reaction when you see Jesus walking on water and then allowing one of your mates to do the same thing, right? But do you also know that this is the first account that where the disciples so publicly and collectively acknowledge Jesus as the Son of God? You see, remember the previous account where Jesus walked on water or Jesus calmed the storm? The disciples didn't profess him as the Son of God, but they actually said, and you can go read it, the disciples marveled, saying, who is this man that even the wind and the waves about him? See, they acknowledged that he could do great things. But it was in this account that they worshipped him. Why? Because in this account, they, only, they not only witnessed the power that Jesus had over the water, they witnessed the love he had for a drowning Peter. You see, true worship comes when love is demonstrated in power. Jesus doesn't tell us, just tell us the love he has for us. He demonstrates it. He, just, he doesn't just say, I can heal you. He actually wants to do it. And he also doesn't say, I want to pour out my flesh on all people and then just leave it as a talk. He wants to pour out his spirit on us this morning. It was demonstrated, it was a demonstration of his power and his love that led the skeptical disciples still in the boat to not only confess who Jesus was, but to then worship him. Our community are crying out for the love and the power of God that can set them free. And I've discovered something. If the band want to come back up, I've discovered something. Largely our community know about Jesus. I mean, largely they know who he is. But they haven't encountered what he can do. And maybe some of you are here and you've been in church a long time and you know what, you've been like, I know what Jesus can do. I've heard all the stories, but actually maybe this morning or maybe over the next couple of weeks, it's going to be the time you begin to encounter it for yourself. We've heard a testimony and there's more to come. But Revelation 19.10 says, for the testimony of Jesus is spirit of prophecy. Jesus wants to see what he's done on other people's lives released in your life. 
that when we hear, it's not about our theological degrees, it's not about you know, how smart we are, it's not about how great our programs are. Now, they're all important. But our community is not going to be transformed by the sum total of our grand ideas. They're going to be transformed by the power of the Spirit. So why don't you stand? And I'm going to invite the prayer ministry team up. We need to raise our levels of faith. Nobody's going to raise our levels of faith for us. We need to be willing to allow God to do something in us so that he can move through us. We have to be willing to go, God, will you come and do a work in me? Maybe you're here and you've been going, right, God, what are these gifts of the Spirit? We are going to look individually going over the next couple of weeks at them in, in greater detail, but maybe you're here and you just, you're feeling like life is battering you and you're drowning and you just need prayer. Maybe he's called you to do something and you're starting to doubt it. You believe he's called you to it, but you're doubting it. I'd encourage you to come for prayer. Maybe you're here and you just want to hear what Jesus is praying over you. Life's fine. And you just want to hear what he's saying. You want a, 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 a fresh touch from him. You're not going to get, well, you, you could get out of your seat. But you know what? If I've known God, he wants us to get out of the boat. He's like, I can touch you where you are. He could touch, he then did have an encounter with the disciples who were in the boat. But how many of us want to be like Peter? They go, do you know what? I'm going to step. It doesn't matter if I get wet. It doesn't matter if shame comes up or all these emotions come up or sin or whatever it may be. Do you know this is a house filled? Do you know all of us have got stuff? We're all a bit screwed up. But God wants to use us and he wants to do a work on us. So if any of that stuff has resonated with you or if there's anything else, there's people here. We want to pray. We want to see the power of God come. We're not doing gimmicks. We're not doing whatever it may be. We just want to see the power of God tangibly come. So Father, we pray, would you come in a greater measure of your power? Would you come and pour out your spirit on this house, on these people, on us? God, would you come and heal the spaces that are broken, that are out of alignment? Would you come that we may be free, You've come to give us life abundantly, God. And we pray, would you raise our hope? If we need faith and it's drowning, God, would you come and raise our faith again? Would you come and if we're struggling and we keep her in this loop of, of whatever thing we're struggling to get free from, today's a good day for God you to come and to set our lives on the straight and narrow again. Give us the boldness and the courage to step out of the boat, to ask for help, 